everybody. Welcome to Amateur Cast. My name is Sebastian Limon. And uh, oh my God, I didn't realize that I completely skipped the intro. But we are a show where we have absolutely know what we're talking about. As clearly, because I'm just rambling now. My name is Sebastian Limon and I was originally born in Ecuador and I moved to New York. And uh, I am with Kobe Leapies. Can I, can I fact check that? Can I? No. Say hi. I, I'm going to need an Ecuadorian birth certificate. And I am joined with Paloma. <laughs> Paloma, by the way, is um, not Alex Papke, clearly. But uh, not only a fan, but a good friend of ours. And will be joining our episodes either from now on or when she can. And uh, yeah, say hi, Paloma. Hey, I'm happy to be joining. Uh, so... Um, I guess we would like to know who the heck you are, why are you here, <laughs> and um, yeah, favorite movies, what do you want to do, what do you want to be, just introduce yourself. Yeah, so as Sebastian said, my name is Paloma, um, I'm mutual friends with him and Alex, who I miss on this episode of the podcast. <laughs> um, my favorite movie is Lady Bird, pretty basic right now with all the TikTok um, e-boy people, but... I do love that movie, as I do love coming-of-age movies, and that's kind of what I want to go into with the film industry, so, mm-hmm. um, yeah, you'll see what, you'll be able to figure out what my choice of movie was for this episode, based on... E- yeah, for yeah, sure, definitely. Based on my favorite genre. And just your taste in general, but... <laughs> yeah. No, but yeah, um, really quick, I guess, what kind of made you want to get into... The movies, I guess, and and um, really, I guess, where you kind of see yourself in the industry. Um, honestly, Greta Gerwig, as like cliche as that sounds, but I began like a love for movies with John Hughes and his coming of age movies. Nice. And. Then I remember watching Goodwill Hunting, and it was kind of something different than I had been used to seeing, and that's what kind of like grew my interest into film. And I began like watching more, I say, cinephile movies. I haven't seen all like a bunch yeah. yet, but we're all amateurs. <laughs> yeah, amateur guys for a reason. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> I decided like you know what, I want to get into film because it's something that I'm really passionate about mm-hmm. and so I watched Lady Bird I remember and I was just so amazed by it and the screenwriting of it I think oh, yeah. Greta Gerwig does an amazing job of writing movies that feel real and not just like oh I'm gonna write this coming of age movie and include that they talk about Snapchat because that's what teens talk about these days like, that's what <laughs> Yeah. Like, no, like, that's not just what it's about. So I think that's really what pushed me to, like, want to do movies was Greta Gerwig's screenwriting and just her way of writing. Yeah, I've noticed you like movies that, not just coming of age, but any movie that feels real and raw. Like, yeah. you get, like, the best and natural performances from people. Like, like uh, I don't know, like I guess like before sunrise and sunset, you know, like mm-hmm. those movies, exactly. like those are probably like some of the most naturalistic movies that I've seen, mm-hmm. and um, and obviously like Lady Bird and Francis Hall, even the teenage 
80s movies, there's like a bit of authenticity that not many people can really achieve. So, yeah, yeah. I can totally see it. So, yeah, um, that's Paloma. If you hate her too bad, she's going to be on the show forever. And um, oh. <laughs> so, yeah, if you have any questions on uh, joining us, too bad. Because you can't. It's uh, like very aggressive. Who heard you, I dude? Know. <laughs> Too many people. Wait, which one of our audience about. members oh. sent you an email, like being really angry about? Was it my mom? <laughs> it might have been. It was something leapies. I was like, review. who this? <laughs> Just watch. We're oh, gonna man. get a bad review someday. Seb's like sad. begging for cyberbullying. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, speaking of cyberbullying. We didn't watch Cyberbully. We watched Palm Springs. <laughs> I don't know what I'm saying. Colby, why don't you introduce uh, yeah, the so, song we talked about? Uh, today we decided that we're going to talk about Palm Springs because it's new and it's kind of um, a movie that a lot of people are talking about right now, especially in this 2020 season where uh, there is no films. Um, everything is ha- is coming out on streaming or like tiny little independent horror movies coming out in drive-in theaters. But this uh, Palm Springs, this new uh, romantic comedy with sort of a sci-fi twist with uh, Andy Samberg and Kristen Milioti and J.K. Simmons, not only is kind of making a big splash, at least on like Letterboxd and Film Twitter, but no also... No pun intended. Yeah. But also <laughs> uh, uh, is has broken the record this year for the highest uh, Sundance sale. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I, yeah uh, by 69 cents, they broke the record. <laughs> yeah. um, so it's kind of it's kind of a, a cool, big, big deal movie, uh, at least compared 69. to the film slate of 2020. And we just wanted to take this opportunity to give our review on it and then uh, talk about our favorite romantic comedies. So uh, first, let's uh, dive into Palm Springs. Uh, uh. That wasn't really a pun. The pool's not that big of a deal in the movie, but it's there, so we'll make some we'll make some pool puns. <laughs> okay. Uh, Seb, why don't you start? What did What did you think of Palm Springs? Uh, it was cool. It was wonderful. Uh, yeah, I went in thinking or like knowing Andy Samberg, romantic comedy, and J.K. Simmons. All right, let's see what this is. And uh, yeah, I did not expect the whole sci-fi basically groundhog day plot and um it took me off guard at first but it was like it was definitely like because at first i was um pretty nervous because i'm like oh god like i can see this playing out i know what's gonna happen and then bam they go in this cave (laughs) and then weird things start happening and then they start repeating the day i'm like okay this is pretty fun yeah i I really liked Andy Samberg's and what's her name? <clears throat> uh, Kristen Milioti. Yeah, um, their chemistry was really good. Like I really liked the two of them together. They were funny. Andy Samberg, I love Andy Samberg, but I can also yeah. see why people can hate him because he can be pretty annoying um, <laughs> when he's given the wrong material. I think here he was, he did a good balance of being him but being normal at the yeah. same time. So I thought he was, I mean, he wasn't like anything new in the movie, but he gave a fine, fine performance. He did pretty good. And um, 
yeah, I guess he's one of those actors or comedians that can play annoying people without being annoying. Um, at least to me personally. Yeah, it's it's he's such a big personality yeah. that it's like he can be taxing, but I think in the right roles, especially in this movie, he uh, yeah he uh, kind of comes off more as just like a lovable big personality, sort of like almost John Candy esque. Almost John Candy, and with a hint of Bill Murray, with being so passive yeah. of life, yeah. But um, definitely. No, yeah. Um, what did you guys think of the movie? I really liked it. I went to see it at the drive-in and didn't really have an idea of what it was about. I honestly was more excited to see it just because it was Andy Samberg. I am a big fan of mm-hmm. Andy Samberg. So going into it, I didn't know that there was a twist of sci-fi into it. And once I did realize that there was, I was kind of scared. I was like, what are they going to do with this? Like, how is this going to work? And I kind of enjoyed the sci-fi aspect of it mm-hmm. just because it kind of, it's unexpected, but it works. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Um, and then the whole chemistry between, or just seeing J.K. Simmons and Andy Samberg on the same screen, it was kind of, it was pretty fun to watch. Yeah. And both of them, like, um, being so crazy together. Yeah. Um, and I think they did a really good job of showing the same day over and over but it not getting too tired Mm -hmm. like like okay i've already seen this like i need something new like i I was always entertained yeah it easily could have gotten repetitive but yeah um, never like to a point where i didn't think like oh god this is gonna get annoying it's they added in something else to to i guess alleviate the plot so yeah, um, exactly. speaking of J.K. Simmons, we see J.K. Simmons high in the movie. Probably the funniest <laughs> not, thing I've not ever like, seen. Not like casual weed high. No. Like high off his rock or cokehead. I think it's coke, right? No, no, <laughs> or meth tub, or something. Yeah. Yeah. He goes insane. It's great. <laughs> it was yeah. hilarious. I loved yeah. it. It was. <laughs> um, r- really random side note. Um, the actress that plays Tala, really cute. <laughs> uh, I think it's Camila Mendez is her name. Camila Mendez, if you are listening Riverdale, to this, I think. hit me up. Oh, God. Sebastian. Hit me up at Amateur oh, Cast. Okay. Um, no, no. Because she's, she's listening. Not, yeah. yeah, well, I think at least <laughs> half the cast of Riverdale listens to this podcast without a doubt. Probably for so sure. So hopefully she's one of those. For sure. Isn't um, is Sierra not, Ramirez in? Do you want? No, if, she's in Pretty Little Lies. Is. I'm not sure. No. no. Oh. Never mind. <laughs> do you want? Do you want? Um. Uh, Cody from the from the Sweet Life of Zach and Cody to call you, t- if not Camila Mendez. Cole yes. Sprouse? Yeah, Cole Sprouse. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Cool. That's your backup. Awesome. Wonderful. Good stuff. We'll tell him to tell Camila to call Wonderful. you. Right. I'm sure they're when tight. He does call you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, but to get back on track to Palm Springs, <laughs> um, if you, I should have mentioned this earlier, if you haven't seen the movie, the basic premise is, um, that Kristen Milioti's character attends her sister's wedding, her sister being Camila Mendez's character, and, uh, she, uh, meets, uh, Andy Samberg's character, and we basically learn, this is, uh, from the trailer, not a spoiler, 
that sh- that he has been reliving this same wedding day over and over again in a sort of Groundhog Day or Happy Death Day style mm-hmm. uh, time loop scenario, and he drags her mm-hmm. into it. And so they have to kind of explore this weird, meaningless eternity together. Uh, and the result, I think, is a is a really fun, innovative romantic comedy with the sort of like weird existential twist that I don't think any of us were expecting. Yeah, yeah, I love that the movies yeah, rated R. Yeah. I love that they swear and there's mm. violence. <laughs> I mean, yeah, they're pretty like brutally honest it, about the whole about the nihilism yeah. of it, while also remaining like a really positive, upbeat, fun movie. Lighthearted, mm-hmm. yeah, for sure. It, it's weird how like it feels lighthearted, mm-hmm. but like. It's also, like, there's violence and, like, it's rated R. It's just... It's super dark sometimes. It's just the fact that you're reliving the same day over and over again and nothing matters. It's so dark, but, yeah, it's just a light movie. Yeah. And even Groundhog Day, which I I think is a perfect movie, I'm not complaining, but it's, like, uh, it starts pretty lighthearted and funny, and then it takes a really, really dark turn, like, very abruptly, and it kind of becomes not very funny. Instead, it's just like, oh... Christ, this is awful. And then it goes back to being funny for the rest of the movie. And, like, I think that works structurally, like, the whole, you know, suicide uh, montage. But Palm Springs does something really interesting, kind of learning from Groundhog Day, where instead it just blends those two ideas throughout the whole movie. Mm -hmm. Like, yes, they're in one scene... Well, I'm not going to spoil it. But, like, yes, it's incredibly nihilistic and existential and awful but also like they're cracking jokes the whole time and it doesn't feel uh, out of place or like tonally confused Mm -hmm. yeah i agree and it easily could have especially from i think this is the first time first movie from this guy yeah uh uh it says right here max max barbacow barbacow something like that i don't know who that is and i want to say the writer's name is andy sierra uh both of their first yeah so they went to afi together Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, my favorite moment I've seen from the press of this movie is an interview with Kevin Smith where he's like yeah we met at AFI and Kevin Smith just like puts down his mic and he's like does your mom have a lot of money <laughs> and, and the director's like well yeah <laughs> there, there you go <laughs> yeah. but they met at AFI together and then started working on this script and according to an interview they said it was like kind of tangentially based on uh, their yeah, on, on trip in Palm right Spring. and um the yeah. writer's actual wedding. Oh, nice. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I listened to a podcast, um, <laughs> a podcast with the writer and um, this dude who interviews screenwriters for yeah. the movies. And it was really good learning about the background of the movie. Oh, that's interesting. Besides that, though, I mean, it's, um, it's not like it's anything, like, extraordinary, though. Like, I, I, cause, um, I guess I'm just trying to say, like, in terms of faults, um, it's not a perfect movie. I mean, it's a great movie. Don't get me like it's a sure. fun movie. Like definitely mm-hmm. one for during this time. It's summer. It's hot. Um, yeah. Things suck right now, and so like having a we nice, a lighthearted now. movie uh, that's like not too complicated. Definitely great for during this time. But that's all. It, that's all yeah. it really is, you know. And there's nothing wrong with that at all. It's just a really well. It's a. It's a well made. Well. Just a well-done, first, fun movie. Yeah, that's you know fair. I mean? And I, I think yeah. I agree with you in the sense yeah, yeah. that I probably wouldn't be as into this movie if not for 2020 being the year that it is. But yeah. I do think there's really something Same. to be said for this guy. It's it's these two 
creator's first movie. It's their debut. And from yeah. a directorial standpoint and a writing standpoint, it really stands out. Like, it, it doesn't feel like a first film. Uh, uh, to me. Yeah. Visually, uh, it's very does. interesting. It's got, like, a very stylistic direction to it. And the writing is... Even if, you know, even if it doesn't go through, like, come all the way through all the time, you know, it's mm-hmm. a first script. Like, it, uh, it's a first produced script, at least. I feel yeah. like it's so ambitious, mm-hmm. and that's what I appreciate about it. Yeah. Yeah. No, it, it definitely doesn't feel, um, I don't know, it's not pretentious. It's not, like, definitely full of itself. It's just, it's just a fun script, you know? Mm-hmm. I don't know, it's, it, it's a, yeah. it's, it's, it's not, obviously, like, I guess we'll get into later the apartment, which I think is a perfect screenplay. Right. But um, and that's more naturalistic. Yeah. Yeah, but I mean, it doesn't yes. need to be. You know what I mean? Right. It's just a fine little yeah. cute movie. Um, yeah. No, but I mean, it had some pretty decent looking shots, I guess. But it it wasn't like Whiplash, where <laughs> where <laughs> I get. But I mean, it wasn't like Whiplash, where it's clearly sure. like. There's so, there's clearly talent behind this. Of course. Like like a ten out of ten on your first movie, like whoa. Um, not to, obviously not every first movie needs to be that. Mm-hmm. I'm just saying like, I'm not trying to say that this is like an extraordinary mind blowing film. It's just a cute, fun movie that you should totally watch when you can. You know what I mean? Especially right. during this time. And there's yeah. ob- and there's, there's always a place that. for that. Yeah. Not every exactly. movie has yeah. to be whiplash. Exactly, I agree. Oh, excuse me. Um, I'll edit that up. <laughs> please don't. Oh. Okay. <laughs> Imagine. Okay, I'll keep in your weird burp. The burp stays in. <laughs> well, now it definitely does. <laughs> uh, do we have anything else to say about Palm Springs? I I will mention that um, I just think this is a credit to the movie that I watched it um, for the first time, like the night it came out on Hulu because I was looking forward to it from the trailers and I was like that was a fun movie I liked it and I I rated it on Letterboxd and I went to sleep two days later I'm just sitting around doing nothing I have a huge watch list of other movies I could watch that night but for some reason I was like I've got to rewatch Palm Springs <laughs> I just like really feel like I need I want to rewatch it already like three days later nice and I did so I feel like like it's such a rewatchable movie and it, I think it holds up really well yeah. on a rewatch you think so? Yeah, there was a lot more stuff that I, I noticed that, that I didn't mm-hmm. notice the first time. And, like, the jokes didn't really, like, fade for me. Like, it mm-hmm. was, like hearing them the second time, they didn't get old. I see. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I'm I, not against seeing it again, but I'm not, like, rushing to see it again. Personally, I don't know. But um, what about you, Paloma? Anything else to say? Um, I think it was just the same things that we said. Like, it's... A really lighthearted movie, but also like touches mm-hmm. on stuff that I think a lot of people can relate to. Mm-hmm. But I liked the way that it was lighthearted in the way that we need it to be right Definitely. now. <laughs> but yeah, overall, a good recommendation to all the listeners listening. Yeah, thank you, mom. I hope you can, hope you enjoy it, mom. Um, <laughs> Thanks, dad. I was gonna say. Um, Oh my god! I lost my train of thought. Somebody say something. <laughs> um, uh, also, uh, Hulu's killing it this year. I really like Hulu this year. 
God every year up to this point, I've been like, okay, they're Walmart brand Netflix. But this year, they have been delivering on like these movies. Rami. Yeah. Oh, I'm on. I'm watching the second season right now. Yeah. Oh my god. I'm like two episodes into the second season. Oh god. Hulu's killing it. Rami season two. Uh, Shirley Painter and the Thief, which is a documentary that nobody has seen, but it's great. Um, Uh Yeah, Hulu's killing it this year. Check out new stuff on Hulu. Check out Rami. (laughs) Dude, check it out. I love Rami. That's my favorite show. Great movie or show. Great show. Yes. Wonderful. Uh, I will check out Rami. Yes. (laughs) What is your rating for Palm Springs? Uh, uh, between like a seven or an eight. Yeah. Okay. Wonderful, cute movie. Um, nothing obviously extraordinary, but uh, it's an original movie. I, you know, what I mean, you don't get that many these days, mm-hmm. so that's why I'm leaning towards eight because it's like we right. crave for originality, and uh, so yeah, between those two, it's not like a huge um, debate or anything. No, yeah, yeah, seven or eight. Mm-hmm. And I feel like even though it's clearly based on Groundhog Day and, like, mm-hmm. the tropes that that movie established. Like, it it takes that premise, but then totally goes in its own direction. I really appreciated yeah. the originality of, like, not copying Groundhog Day. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Agreed. What about you, Paloma? I'd also give it an 8, because, like like you said, it, it doesn't feel like um, something we've already seen. Um, and so that way, that's why I really enjoyed it. It, it was something new. Like, yeah. Yeah. It was a refresher. It was a sure. breath of fresh air. Yeah. Breath of fresh air. <laughs> what about you, Colby? Yeah, same, eight, same here. Yeah, eight's all around. <laughs> eight, eight out of ten, eight. ladies and gentlemen. You heard it from here on Eight Amateur out of Cast. ten, four out of five, whatever fraction you want. <laughs> yes, definitely. Re- we recommend out of a it. Thousand. Wait, that's not right at all. <laughs> no. <laughs> oh, I'm so bad at math. No. <laughs> it's okay. All I had to do was add zeros. <laughs> Speaking of zeros, don't but don't call no, my movie wait. a zero. <laughs> no. Um. Speaking of, dang it, I have no uh, clever segue segue at all. Um. Uh. Um. Yeah, I got nothing either. Yeah. Mm. No. No. The apartment. We're talking about the apartment. <laughs> Who needs a segue? Yes. You know what people Speaking, live in okay. apartments. That's true. Speaking of that, we watched The Apartment. There we oh. go. Yay. <laughs> um, yeah. Colby, introduce. Yeah, The Apartment is my choice for favorite rom-coms today. Um, it, it killed me a little bit to not talk about When Harry Met Sally on this podcast because I think that's the quintessential rom-com, you know? That's mm-hmm. like the best example of like your classic rom-com tropes. But I think my actual favorite movie that is a rom-com is without a doubt the apartment it's one of my all-time favorite movies easily top 10 uh it is a 1960 film written directed by billy wilder starring uh jack lemon i'm fact checking this as i'm saying it because i'm so paranoid that i just got that wrong (laughs) but that's correct uh starring jack lemon and shirley mclean and fred mcmurray um it is basically the story of a man, uh, C.C. Baxter, played by Jack Lemmon, who is kind of a pushover. He works in this huge, huge uh, building with like a hundred thousand other workers or some ridiculous number like that. Um, mm-hmm. Just for this massive insurance company where he feels like, you know, a speck in this like huge field of workers. So 
uh, in order to kind of rise up the ranks and get an executive position, he does favors for his boss, including uh, giving them the key to his apartment so that they can use his his apartment where he lives, his home, in order to carry on affairs with their mistresses without their wives finding out. And, you know, we see him sleeping on park benches and stuff like that because he's lo- loaning out his apartment to his bosses in order to rise up in his company. And through this, there's a love story where he falls in love with um, an elevator operator at his building, uh, played by Shirley MacLaine, who kind of has her own story going on with his boss, who's played by Fred McMurray. Um, it's a really, really wonderful love triangle. And Jack Lemon at the heart of it, is like the most just delightful, adorable, like wonderful performance. Like it's just the dude you want to be friends with, in my, I think. Oh, yeah. um, but also like somebody you feel bad for because, mm. you know, he's he's in a really crappy situation. Like he's kind of <laughs> selling his life away to try to rise up this like corporate uh, ladder. So ladder. yeah, I watched this movie for the first time probably last year. And I think... I'm not sure exactly what prompted me to do it. I think maybe I I saw them talk about it on an episode of Screen Junkies Movie Fights or something like that. And I was like, that sounds fun. Um, so I got the Blu-ray, and I was just, like, blown away by it. Um, and it is a Best Picture winner. Uh, and Billy Wilder is oh, also really? just, like... Yeah. Uh, and Billy Wilder is also just one of my favorite writer-directors in general. So this definitely mm-hmm. is, a, is a big one for me. What about you guys and, like, your experience with this movie? It was my first time watching it for this podcast, and it was on my watch list on Letterboxd, and I really enjoyed it. Like, going into it, I was like, okay, I don't know how this is going to go, but, like, I know Shirley MacLaine is a great actress, so I had, like, high hopes for it, and mm-hmm. I I really loved it. Like, it is a long movie, but I never felt bored or, like waiting for it to mm-hmm. end i was always like excited for what's gonna happen next and like the twists and turns that happen um between the love triangle i really enjoyed it i think this yeah was um, really well yeah i agree with that <clears throat> um yeah it was my first time too i i, I really love billy wilder well <laughs> billy wilder uh, some like a hot is hilarious Yep. Um, and I'm looking forward to the other films that he's done. But um, Sunset Boulevard this was is a awesome. classic noir. Mm-hmm. I still haven't seen that completely. It's good. But I, I was enjoying it. Um, but this was awesome. I couldn't, my mom and I could not believe that it was from the 1960s. Mm-hmm. Like <laughs> all the jokes and all like the crazy things that it tackles between the comedy. Uh, cheating uh, mm-hmm. suicide uh, all this crazy crazy dark themes yet there's this great tone and it never becomes a different movie at any point it's just consistent uh, yeah it's hilarious uh, Jack Lemon is amazing I absolutely yeah you were saying adorable he is adorable in this movie <laughs> I love him in this movie um, Shirley MacLaine great she's beautiful in the movie their chemistry is electrifying for real it's amazing yeah like i could watch three hours like a movie the three-hour movie with them and i would never be bored i feel like every romantic comedy could have jack lemon and shirley MacLaine, and i wouldn't complain (laughs) honestly yeah it was great they're really great and i think 
Uh, I was also impressed by like the directing and the cinematography. It was really good. Like I can tell, like Steven Spielberg uses or at least is inspired by this kind of blocking or like from what is that Frank Frank Capra or Michael Curtiz, these older filmmakers that really allowed like specific blocking of the camera and mm-hmm. of the actors, especially like in the office. Yeah, yeah. like in the workspace. Like he uses long takes, but they're not show offy. It's just mm-hmm. more of letting the the actors breathe and letting the scene play out, but also moving the camera to show emotion or to show a certain yeah. object or show a certain mm-hmm. place. It's funny you it's say like, that because rewatching it for this podcast, which I've seen this movie plenty of times before because it's one of my all time favorites. But there were mm-hmm. like there were multiple times just in this latest rewatch where I noticed I never before noticed that that scene was one long take. Yeah. Because they are they're really smooth and subtle and they're not show offy, but they're just like They're not show offy at all. They just work really well. They're simple, but like they work and the it makes the performances so much more impressive. Yeah. Yeah. That's why like it's called screenplay. Like back in the day, movies were basically filmed plays. You know what I mean? And obviously as time went on, people experimented with film and jump cuts and going to and filming on location and needing sets and all that stuff. But when you watch old movies, you get to see just how impressive and how really talented, I guess it's, it's, it's a different um, presentation than how we are used to some of the movies today. You know, like, I think that's why Spielberg feels very classic yet new at the same time. Cause he borrows a lot of the technique, like, Billy Wilder did in this movie or even my expertise with Casablanca or something. But um mm-hmm. and besides that, the screenplay is probably one of the most perfect screenplays it's, ever. I'm not yeah, even joking. Yeah. It's definitely one of the strongest screenplays I've seen in film and I'm I'm pretty sure it won best screenplay. I'll fact check that. I hope it did. Yeah. I, I know it won best director. That's true. But yeah, yeah. I was surprised yeah, of was how really like well written. Yeah, it won Best Picture, Best Director, Best Screenplay, Best Art Direction, and all. Best Editing. Take it all. Just give it to <laughs> them. Yeah. <laughs> not, not for acting? No, and it was nominated for three acting uh, awards. Jack Lemmon, Shirley MacLaine, and then actually not Fred McMurray, but um, but Jack Crucian, who plays the doctor, the, doctor the next door neighbor. Oh, nice. They were all nominated. Him. Uh, none of them won. It was that. also nominated for cinematography and sound. Okay. And that didn't win cinematography? No. Uh, okay. I'll, cool. I'll check what did um, as you as you continue. Yeah. Okay, yeah. But um, oh, wait, I love the doctor. He was so funny. He was hilarious, yeah. Him making yeah, me was stay funny. awake. <laughs> Walk. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, the screenplay is just... Not only is are the, the, the dialogue, like funny but things are set up paid off in like the most clever way as possible um and, and it's just it's like a classic funny movie you know what i mean it's not trying to be funny with a fart joke not trying to be funny with a i don't know like like how modern comedies are today it's just would you consider it as a comedy of manners colby or nah nah not really it, it has the tone and it has the sort tone of the of pacing one, for sure. of a classic comedy of manners, but without the sort of, you know, class satire. Um, 
Yeah. yeah. I just looked up what won Best Cinematography, and it was Spartacus. So, like, that's fair. It's hard. That's oh, wait, completely actually, fair. I just messed up because there were separate ones for black and white and color, so that they wouldn't have been up against Spartacus. For a second oh. there, I was like, it's not going to beat Kubrick, but uh, it was actually Sons and Lovers. Sons and Lovers. I don't know what that movie is. It also beat Psycho, which doesn't make much sense. Never. Um, we'll see. Uh, yeah, I guess next we episode, watch we'll talk about Sons <laughs> and Lovers. That way we're, we're not um, totally proven wrong if somebody in the comments is like, <laughs> just you can't trash Sons and Lovers if you haven't seen it. It's a classic. <laughs> You know. The movie sucks. But, uh, <laughs> the one by review. Seb's Cyberbully. <laughs> it's like not even my name. It's just like, um, I don't know. Um, Mike Coxlong. Oh my god. Or um, what is it? Hugh Jazz. Humongous. Any name that yes. Bart Simpson would write. <laughs> <laughs> or or um, what is it? What is that? Um, that game that we play at school? Kahoot. The Kahoot oh names, my, yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh man! <laughs> Just isolated everyone over twenty-five. <laughs> yeah, I'm so sorry. Anyways, back to the apartment. Yeah, it was really enjoyable. Just like, especially the scene where he just discovers that she's the one that owns the mirror. Um, no, yeah, like we're spoiling all these movies. <laughs> yeah, this so. movie came out legit sixty years ago. <laughs> <laughs> if you haven't so, seen it, uh, I'm sorry. I, that's your fault. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. My fault too, but <laughs> yeah. But no, it really like what's not to love about this movie, honestly. I don't know how you couldn't enjoy it. Were you talking about how it was revealed that Shirley McLean was with the the boss? Is that what you're talking about or were we Yeah, when when Jack McLennan his character discovers that she was the woman yeah, it was with the right, mirror. With the broken, broken mirror. mirror. It's a yeah. great image. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just like, the way that he yeah. looks at it. And no no words are spoken after he after he no. finds it. But like you know. You just that, that broken mirror you feel means. It and you, yeah. yeah. You literally feel sick to your stomach. Yeah. That and uh, the fact that yeah. earlier on it showed that he gave the mirror to his boss. Like, oh, this was left. Exactly. And then mm-hmm. I mean you already knew that information, but just seeing yeah. him like realize it. It's really clever. A really clever way of telling not only the character but the audience too. Like, right. Oh, he yeah. knows now. Crap. Yeah. And it's a it's a great setup and payoff that actually like is essential and like pushes the narrative. It's not just there to be mm-hmm. like, you know, mm-hmm. look, I'm a good writer. I can do setups and payoffs that like <laughs> are like fluff and like those are fun. <laughs> yeah. But it really is essential. You know, earlier in the movie they set up her mirror is broken, um, and it's left uh, in his apartment when she's there with uh, with the boss, Mr. Sheldrake, and then uh, when she pulls it out later, he realizes it's the same mirror he found in his apartment. So now he knows that she was there with Sheldrake. She doesn't mm-hmm. know that it's mm-hmm. his apartment. And, yeah. uh, and, then, and then the line she says after she finds it is, he says, oh, your yeah. mirror's broken. And she says, I, I know, know, I like it that way. It makes me look how I feel. Yeah. Yes, and then there's like what happens later in the yeah. plot, like, uh, heart wrench right there. I know. That's what I mean when I said like the movie was like way ahead of its time. Like mm-hmm. back really in those was. days, those movies were so lighthearted and so pure. Yeah. And to see a movie Innocent. tackle suicide and depression. Yeah. Except for Psycho. Yeah. Yeah. The way that it does. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I mean, I love it. I think it balances 
its lighthearted kind of rom-com tone with some really heavy themes, and it never, you know, delegitimizes or, like, it's never too light on these heavy themes, but Mm -hmm. the heavy themes also never weigh down the comedy. It balances it so well. I feel like the best example is just the scene where he he's going into his bathroom and he notices the razor on the cupboard and he opens up the razor and takes out the blades mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. because he's wor- he's honestly worried that she, when she yeah. goes into the bathroom she's going to kill herself mm-hmm. and then yeah. 5 minutes later he goes to shave and it doesn't work because he took out the the yeah. blade like that's funny yeah. that's a good bit yeah, yeah. but it's it also really shows funny. how much he cares and like in a how much she's in a very serious depressive state it. yeah mm-hmm. yeah yeah, it's really wonderful. And I also really love the great scene when he goes to the bar after discovering that she's the girl. And just dancing with that random girl he met at the bar. <laughs> just like the way that his yeah. his body is like completely limped all over her. It's hilarious. <laughs> um, towards the end when she like realizes that he's in love with her and she runs back to his apartment and you hear that like pop noise and we think, oh my God, yeah. he just killed himself. Yeah. That and you just see him walk out with the champagne, champagne bottle, yeah. and you're like, <laughs> which is great because that was set like, up oh earlier. Oh my gosh, boy, almost gave me a heart attack. Like, even when I rewatch it, having seen it, yeah, there's a moment where I'm like, oh no, wait, no, did he wait, do it? Like, wait, wait, that's yeah. great. I, like I said, for many reasons, because like that champagne was set up earlier when the exactly. associate came over and be like, oh, I had this apartment for uh, for Friday for today, and he left the yeah. champagne. And so I'm just picturing Jack Lemon by himself, like, oh, I have the champagne here. Why not open it? And then I was yep. thinking, oh, my God, he's dead. Boxes. And then he opens the door with the champagne. Yeah, it's hilarious. he, like, pulls out the gun at the, well, yeah. while he's packing. Yeah. That's actually kind of like a red herring setup and payoff because they set up. Yeah. It's, it's almost like a, like a reverse Chekhov's gun because there's mm-hmm. a gun earlier in the film. And mm-hmm. then you think it goes off, but it doesn't. Which is kind of for comedic effect, but also kind of, like, is a good ending and, like, wraps up the tonality and the theme of the movie. For sure. Again, perfect screenwriting. Yeah. Chef's Kiss. And it has all the... Like, it's an older movie, but it's not cliched. Like, I didn't know how it was going to end at all. Like, I think that's, like... Yeah. Great. (laughs) Yeah. Especially for 19... That's what I mean. Like, it's so ahead of its time. Like, 1960, it still holds up. It's still funny. It's still well-written. And it's still, like... Like, it works for today in terms of, like, the boss being this disgusting, disgusting human being. Um, yeah. How, what's her name? What is Shirley's, McLean's character name again? Uh, I, oh, I have to check. Cube something. Oh, it's, it's Kublik. Kublik, yeah. Kublik. Miss Kublik. Miss Kublik, yeah. I was like, what? Fran, there you go. Fran, that's right, yeah. Yeah, just how she feels bad for being for doing what she's for doing what she's done and for wanting to kill herself and it's like that's I mean that's still relevant for today in many ways obviously and it's not like issues that have gone away since the 60s, you know what I mean? It's crazy. Yeah. And again, I mean, it's she, funny. Yeah. <laughs> she carries like the heaviest emotional burden in the whole movie. Mm-hmm. And I know her for performance a, was really well done. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And for a woman in the 60s, like she doesn't get the respect that the other two characters do. She cannot have the jobs that the other two characters do. She yeah. is completely subject to their will, but she also mm-hmm. 
carries herself with like such dignity and respect. That too, yeah. Mm-hmm. Really While great. you also understand how vulnerable she is, it's her performance is so layered in this movie. Yes, I loved her character. Yeah, Shirley MacLaine, man, underrated no, actress. Honestly, classic yeah. actress. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, do we have anything else to say about the apartment? Um, you were talking a minute ago about the ending, and I feel mm-hmm. like the like the ending and like the last the final image is such a great and like it perfectly encapsulates that kind of balance of the tone we were talking about because it, it really is a bittersweet ending. Mm-hmm. Um, Fran leaves Sheldrake, which is good because we don't want her to be able to Sheldrake. Mm-hmm. Um, you go, but girl. it also means that like Sheldrake's actual wife is just kind of screwed over mm-hmm. um, and his kids are screwed over. And um, when she leaves him at first, we think, okay, great. Now she's going to be with Baxter but the last line of the movie is him saying I love you and she doesn't say I love you too. Mm-hmm. You know? Instead, she just plays cards with him. They play gin rummy, which is another yeah. setup and payoff from earlier in the movie that he wants to play gin rummy with her to cheer yeah. her up. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, the, the implication is that they get together, but it's, it's pretty ambiguous and it's pretty bittersweet. Like, it's not just this rushed thing where, okay, she made the decision to break up with Sheldrick. Now she can go rush to him and say, I love you. And they yeah. can kiss and it's sure. over. They don't mm-hmm. ever kiss on the lips in this movie. She never tells him. They I never love do. You. Yeah. Yeah. That's because great. she like, they still have major wounds to heal from, you yeah. know, they're, yeah. they're not just going to move on like that because they are human. Mm-hmm. And I really appreciate though, that realism yeah. in the ending. And yeah, that's why I think it's so satisfying is because they they still know that they, like, are have just rec- They still need to recover from things that they just went through, and I think that's why the ending is so satisfying with how real it, it is. And also being bittersweet because he lost his job. <laughs> right. Yeah. You know what I mean? He's unemployed like, now. They're, they're, he's unemployed. I bet and he doesn't know where he's unemployed live. too. He doesn't have an apartment either. But they have each other. <laughs> so they have each other, and they have a deck of cards and, and some rum. And champagne. <laughs> champagne. Yeah. And I uh, also, oh, really quick, I really love that the moment in the kitchen when she's like, "Why do you have a tennis racket in your kitchen?" Oh, it's for the <laughs> for the spaghetti. Yeah. She's like, "Yeah, I why not?" Spaghetti with it. <laughs> yeah, why not? Like, That's one of the best like weirdest jokes in the movie, yeah. and it just works. It's like yeah. so iconic. And then later you just see you him see the, but, yeah, the, <laughs> and he's singing out, just nerd, <laughs> her. like he's, he's just like he's randomly. flipping it up like he's he's got good skills he's yeah. maneuvering that tennis <laughs> racket pretty well we saw his backhand yeah, you know? <laughs> his yeah backhand. it was it was yeah it's a wonderful movie I I'm glad that we yeah. watched yeah. it and I finally got to see it great great suggestion I'm looking forward to seeing this again I definitely I'm I'm gonna own this for sure and watch it again. <laughs> Rating. Um, uh, 10 out of 10. 10 out of 10. 10 out of 10. Nice, me too. 10 <laughs> out of 10 all around. That's, 10 out of 10. what, the second or third time that's happened here? Mm-hmm. I think. Yeah. What I think we it? did that for Parasite and... Parasite. For the Pixar. And uh, the Pixar movies, we got a bunch of 10s. Yeah. Oh, that's true. I think, like, all the Pixar movies were 10 out of 10. <laughs> and then... Ratatouille and Whiplash Wall-Land. Right. and La La Land. Okay, so I guess it's yeah. not... It's not that historic, but (laughs) (laughs) it's cool. (laughs) Also, that makes me so happy that you guys hadn't seen the movie, and then now you guys have watched it for this, and you loved it. That makes me so happy that there's more apartment fans. Oh, that's fun. (laughs) I'm looking forward to seeing this again. Yeah. 
Yeah. Thank you, bro. Yeah. I really enjoyed it. Mm-hmm. Yes. Okay, now uh, let's get into uh, the next film. Is there, a, is there a segue for this? No, no segue. No. <laughs> <laughs> we'll talk it. We just blast the song hey, Pretty in Pink. This the apartments in black and white. Um let's talk about a movie that's all about color. The poster's in black and sense. white, except Yeah. Except the poster is in black and white. Yes it is. So, Alright, sure, that's good enough. Paloma, <laughs> wanna talk about your pick? So my pick for the rom com was Pretty in Pink, a nineteen eighty six uh John Hughes movie. It's played, it's about Andy, played by Molly Ringwald, and her navigation of whether the Richies are better than those who aren't rich, and whether she should date this Richie, and what people, what her friends and people close to her think about it. Um, even though she doesn't really care about their opinions, um, his, this, the Richie, played by Andrew McCarthy, who is the character Blaine, um, he truly does care about people's opinions on what they think about their relationship, and I think it's when I first saw this movie, my mom showed it to me, um, when I was in high school, and I really fell in love with it, that was when I, like, was discovering all these John Hughes movies, mm-hmm. my love for coming of age. And I think I, I just really appreciated the fact that this movie focuses on the underdogs and not just any old people group. Like, uh-huh. I think the way that it's so relatable to um, the outsiders and how the main characters... Like, Ducky, he's not like everyone else. We see his home, and his bed is the mattress on the floor. Like, mm-hmm. you don't... Like, I don't think most people can say, like, oh, like, that's me. But we don't think that most people can say, oh, that's me, but they do. And I think that's why it has a big following that it does, the way that it does. Um Yeah. I don't know what your guys' take was on, on the movie. Go, go ahead, I mean, Goldie. You mentioned, you mentioned Ducky, so we got to talk about John Cryer. Uh-huh. Oh, my gosh, I love him. He's ridiculously good in this movie. <laughs> like, one of the best, most classic teen performances. Um, John Cryer's so funny in this movie. He really brings Ducky to life and makes him, like, iconic and, like, a lovable character. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought he was annoying. I'm sorry. Oh, really? Yeah, at first. Interesting. At first, until... Actually, I'm not surprised. Uh, until okay. <laughs> there's a moment when he's with Molly Ringwald, and she says, I'm going to go... Like, they're going to... She's helping him with his paper, and she's... I'm going to go get a drink. And then he falls back on the bed and says, I'm in love with this girl. At that moment, I'm like, okay. Right. You're cool. You know what I mean? Like, because I've been there. <laughs> I've been, I've texted a girl, I've talked to a girl, I've been on the phone with a girl, and then when we're done, I'm Before like... Before oh, marriage? Damn. Huh? <laughs> yes! Exactly. <laughs> I've been shut down so many times. So many. Anyways, um... <clears throat> no, um, but I mean, I've been there, you know? Like, mm-hmm. so that felt definitely relatable um, and real. And so from then on, I was like, okay, you're you're fine. But at first, I was... 
pretty annoyed with with uh, with Ducky, especially the moment when she's entering her room at some point, and he he's he gave her like twenty seven voicemails or something, and I was just like, Ducky, dude, shut up. I don't. Know, I was kind of annoyed at that point, <laughs> but um, <clears throat> uh, I thought the movie was all right. I'm sorry. <laughs> All right, or uh, <laughs> I don't get the hype for Molly Ringwald. I think she's the same in every movie that she's in. Yeah, she definitely does play the same character. Yeah. Okay, I'm glad that you you can acknowledge that. <laughs> the, this no, one is a little different than Breakfast, than Club. Breakfast Club. Same personality, yes. different backstory, different, but it is pretty much character. the same thing as Sixteen Candles. It's the same oh, thing as yeah, Sixteen Candles. Candles. It is Which the is same thing. Which is actually why Anthony Michael Hall turned down the Ducky role because he was like, "I've done this movie before. <laughs> this is Sixteen <laughs> Candles." Um, I think maybe this is better than Sixteen Candles. Only if if only because Sixteen Candles does not age well um, when it comes to the rape. Uh, a lot of stuff. There's like <laughs> rape jokes. There's a lot of jokes that are kind of racist, like with yeah. Long Duck Dong. Six and Candles is a fun movie. It does not hold up well. <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah. I think that's how I felt about this, though. Interesting. Um, in terms of how relationships played out. I didn't think... What's the character's name? Blaine and... Doug, what's her name? Andy? Andy. Andy. Uh, I didn't care for them. I'm sorry. I didn't think they have any chemistry. I did not like Blaine. <laughs> I thought he was a creep. He looked like an old man. That mouth of his was like, <laughs> like, what is so attractive about him? Um, and then there's a, apparently people have been saying there's this great moment with John Cryer dancing in the record store. Don't, don't bash the dancing it's scene. It's a cute scene, but it comes out of nowhere and then it ends randomly. Like the, the edit was awful. It just fades out. <laughs> And I'm like, what was that? <laughs> it's a cute scene, I guess. But like when he slides in, I'm like, okay, that was cute. But and then and then like him dancing, I'm like, that's fine. And then it just randomly fades out. I'm like, what? What? I don't know. Like, I'm sorry. I don't mean to trash it. Because I, I can't know- believe Seb was the cyber bully all along. <laughs> oh my god. Yes. Plot twist. Big twist. I will say what worked for me was the relationship with her and her dad. I thought that was, like, mm-hmm. really well done. and That's, like, what I actually cared for in terms of characters and relationships. Like, the dad, Harry Dean Stanton, was great in the movie. Like, I loved... He wasn't just a typical lazy dad that... Um, or, like, a... How do I say it? It's been done before where the mom has left or the dad has left and it's a single mom, single dad. But I mean, with him, you can tell that there's so much pain in him. Yeah. And especially when he was talking to Ducky, because Ducky goes to him at some point and asks, basically asks for Andy's hand in marriage. It's like, that was, that was, that was cute. But, um, and then he was saying, no, yeah, I've been there. Um, I love the girl. I married her and then she left me. I was like, oh. Like I'm sorry, and then yeah. he said three years ago, and, and it's like, and it's, she leaves him like, so 
deep into their relationship. Yeah. Like, that's so... They have a kid together who's, like, 14. Yeah. 14. That's really that's, sad. Uh, yeah, that hit, that hits hard. That great scene when she's, like... It, the Probably the best scene in the movie for me, personally, was when she's like, why can't you get over her? Like, it's been three years. Like, yeah. And he's like, well, I love her. I'm like, And she's like, I knew it from the beginning. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's a great... Because it's so easy for someone who didn't not that obviously she didn't love her mom of course she did but it's a different kind of love than how your dad feels about your mom than how you feel about your mom you know it's a different kind of hopefully. love. hopefully uh hopefully yeah anyway. norman bates but um <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, oh. <laughs> i'm so sorry uh <coughs> hamlet <coughs> oh that too <laughs> Wait, oh crap, that's right. <laughs> I forgot. Oedipus, Sigmund Freud. <laughs> <laughs> um, but because she was saying like, because it, it's so, it's much easier for someone who isn't as as in love to say, forget about this person, or for someone to be in that position to say, it's so hard. Like I love her, you can't. Like it's not like easy for me. Yeah, you can't just let it go. No. It's like that. To me, that that worked. Sadly, the actual young stuff and the actual relationship stuff did not work for me. I'm sorry. All right, just yeah. Uh, you, you guys speak, and I don't want to be Mr. Downer. <laughs> <laughs> um, Paloma, I really wanted to ask what you think of the ending because the ending of this movie yeah. is controversial, crap. has it's kind of a famous crap. Hollywood story behind it. And mm-hmm. I wanted to know your take it being one of your favorite movies. Piece of crap ending. For the longest time, I did want her to end up with Ducky. And I know that there was, like, supposedly somewhere in the world, there's they recorded the ending, like, where she ends up with Ducky. I have tried to find Really? It. It's impossible. It's impossible. Um, but I think... I kind of agree with the ending now because I feel like even though she doesn't end up with Ducky, it kind of makes both of their characters grow. Mm-hmm. And it's, yeah, especially Blaine's because he, for the longest time, like he's into Andy and we know that he wants to be with her, but when he makes that decision to like ghost her in the sense um we were turned off by him and i think when he does when she does like go back to him we see a, a character change in him and in her too uh, she- but like he comes up he's like hey and then she's like hey and he, he doesn't even say sorry and then he walks away and then she's like, she wants him. Like, what? I, I didn't believe it for one second. I'm sorry. So Seb didn't love the ending. I hated the <laughs> ending. <laughs> Would you have preferred it if she ended up with Ducky? Uh, I preferred if she were just, no, I wanted it with no one. I would have liked if she ended up with like nobody. Like have her be on her own. Like maybe like. I think that would have been cool. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like her not needing a guy to be happy, not needing reassurance from someone, whether it be someone safe like Ducky or someone cool like Blaine. 
Um, it's the love that she has for herself that all she needs. And no, I had to go with a guy at the end. Um, and, and that could have worked. Don't get me wrong. Like there are movies that they end up together and it's great and it works like the apartment, for example. But here, I don't, Blaine was a jerk. I didn't care for Blaine. <laughs> like he never defends her. Think about it. It's true. And why would you choose him? No, but um, I mean, James Spader, <laughs> who thought, uh, who was fine. He's a handsome man. Don't get me wrong. Handsome James Spader, that hair. Jeez, this is such an '80s movie. The description. You do you love James Spader? <laughs> does it go? Does it go? Camila Mendez and then Cole Sprouse and then James Spader. Absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> yes. Oh God, Ultron, Robert California. Heck yeah. With sexy no. voice, the Lizard King. The, oh God. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, like James Spader, that voice. It's so, sorry, we went on a James Spader. This is now a review of James Spader. Um, Okay. <laughs> 11 out of 10. 11 out of 10. <laughs> Highly recommend. Uh, yeah. No, you, see, I don't know. Duh. Duh. Nah. You didn't like it, yeah. Duh. Blaine. Nah. Which makes me want to see Is that just your uh, your gut yeah, reaction? Like, why does to the movie, yeah. The ending? No, just to <laughs> the movie overall, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> okay. Uh, um, when it comes to the ending, Paloma, I had like a similar process as you i definitely didn't like it at first and i wanted her to end up with ducky and i feel like that's how most people feel which is ironic because the whole reason they changed it was because every test audience they showed it to hated it and wanted her to end up with blaine Mm -hmm. um Mm -hmm. it's weird makes no sense i want to see the original cut but i did it suck i agree with you Mm -hmm. i think i hadn't seen it in years Mm -hmm. and i think when when we planned to talk about it on this podcast, I was like, okay, I mean, whatever. I, that movie was fine, but I kind of only remembered it as being <laughs> that one with the weird ending. <laughs> and then rewatching it for this podcast, I was, like you, I liked it a lot more. I think it's way better for Ducky's arc that he doesn't, because he doesn't deserve her as a girlfriend. No. They're, they're good friends, and I like that they stay friends. But as cute and funny as he is, in my opinion, not in Seb's, um, and as, as good as John Cryer is, like, he is obsessive. He's yeah. kind of an obsessive, stalkery, sad boy. And I think it's a really great arc for him to go from that to accepting that she doesn't like him back, and that's okay. She's not obligated to. Instead, he'll be there for her. He'll be a good friend. And she'll he'll be her shoulder to cry on when dumb rich boys break her heart. And, you know, if you love some, someone, let them go. So I think it's a much better arc for Ducky to kind of learn to stop being childish and obsessive and instead, like, be a good friend <laughs> to her. Yeah, to move on. Which is fine, um, but the movie's about her. And for her to choose him is, yeah, like, why? Yeah, so when it, when it comes to her, I wouldn't have minded if she chose nobody. Yeah. Uh, with the ending with Blaine, I could take it or leave it. But as far as Ducky's okay. character goes, I was actually really glad I, they changed I it. I agree with that, like, uh, with his only character. Only on the rewatch. I agree with that, for sure. But uh, I was just, like, even my mom was, like, why... Is she going with him? Like, why? Like, she got mad. <laughs> and, um, I don't know. 
I, I I agree with the whole arc with Ducky. Like, like I said in the beginning, I was pretty annoyed with him, but uh, after that point, it was like, you know what? You're you're cool. I understand how you feel. I've been to that. I've been in that situation of like being super nice to a girl and actually liking her, but knowing that you're strictly friends and like wanting to get out of that situation and then seeing her, we go with guys and you're just like heartbroken. Um, but um, also, can we talk about that dress and how ugly it is? Oh my gosh, I hate it. <laughs> <laughs> the pink dress? Know. You know, Molly Ringwald hated it yeah, too. Yeah, my it's... mom hates it too. She's like, I don't know why she made that dress. Like she creates all her clothes. and I think it would have been that. better if not, <laughs> For the the shoulderless sleeves, if it was just I don't like the whole now this is becoming like a fashion thing, which is weird. Thing situation. If it was be, if it was yeah, if it cut off well, earlier at the neck and it like was I I don't I know tank top isn't the right word for dress, but I don't know how dresses burn it. terminology goes. <laughs> like the floral thing is whatever. It's nice. I don't burn know. it. It, it is a, it is like a combination of two dresses, is. which is weird. No, it literally is. <laughs> yeah. But I think that's a solid segue into talking about the costume design of the movie because that's like such a huge factor. And I thought the second time watching it, I realized how much I like the costume yeah. design mm-hmm. apart from the one ugly yeah. dress because I feel like it's so insightful to the characters. Mm-hmm. The movie is kind of all about this class d- divide and also like the two poorer characters just kind of have like a like a passion for fashion yeah. uh, i didn't mean for that to rhyme uh, i realized uh, halfway uh, through and uh, i was like now nah, i have to say this in a weird way so it sounds like a joke yes <laughs> but yeah they both like enjoy you know clearly like thrift shopping mm-hmm. and stuff like i think Upcycling. they mm-hmm. they contrast the the quote-unquote richies from andy and ducky by having the richies all wear these you know Suits. polo shirts and a blazer and shorts mm-hmm. like the most basic yeah. easy solid color frat boy wear Mm -hmm. and then ducky and andy wear these like very kind of big noticeable often mismatched thrift store outfits but like they own it you know what i mean like they really have this this like dignity to them and i think that's like really cool and like indicative of their characters and the fact that they kind of you know until andy kind of goes through this uh this arc with blaine where she's not sure like like what kind of person she wants to be and what kind of people she wants to associate with they kind of uh you know own their status and i think that's really cool and i think the costume design really highlights that yeah um yeah i liked ducky's hair actually a lot (laughs) didn't didn't your dad have that kind of hair in back in the day paloma or no uh yeah he did he did right i remember that photo yeah. And I was like, wait, I've seen this before. <laughs> it's very uh, Morrissey, isn't it? Yeah. Similar style. Ducky's just a fashionable dude. He is. He's got good hair. He's got sick, sick sunglasses. Shoes. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, those shoes are like a cool little setup and payoff yeah. there. Little, yeah, that was cute. Uh, I guess more of just a motif. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, the fact that he, you know, he <clears throat> he reluctantly dresses up, but he keeps that part of himself that's important he to him. Will always mm-hmm. be the dark uh, Which man. is, you know, yeah his thrifted style also why did blaine take her on the first day to the friend's house why well, when uh, he knew that he's a, he's they didn't yeah why <laughs> take her out well, to a nice like an arcade don't make good decisions I, I know but like <laughs> it was the 80s parties were the thing uh, I yeah i would have dropped him by Sa- then. that's 
Seb, that is now the only answer to every one of your criticism. It was the <laughs> 80s. <laughs> it was a different time. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Story structure, character development. No, Seb. It, it was, was the, the 80s. 80s. <laughs> <laughs> That's legitimate. Whatever. <laughs> <laughs> What's your rating, Seb? A five out of ten. I'm sorry. Um, I don't hate it. Is that the lowest we've given on the show? No, I gave Onward a four. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah. Good. This is better than This Onward. is better than Onward, for sure. For sure. I would rather see this. I'm glad. I'm glad. <laughs> Who knows? I might enjoy it on a rewatch if I ever rewatch it. I don't think you but, would, though. Um, <laughs> it's definitely my least favorite John Hughes so far. So far. Tune in next week to see Seb fist fight John Cryer. <laughs> <laughs> I met John Cryer. You did. You That's met John Cryer. Right. Uh, he sounds Where? the same. In Malibu at a triathlon, I went with my dad. That's awesome. Yeah, I Send spotted photos him. Did you proof. tell him that you like you like pretty and Yeah, big? he sounded exactly the same. I was like, Ducky. That's really cool. He's like, Oh, you're the only one. I'm just no. kidding. <laughs> no. That's no, no, that's not true. Everybody loves this movie except me. Apparently, he was. He was really good recently in Big Time Adolescence, yes, which is another. We can talk about Hulu another movie. Hulu movie. Oh my god, Hulu okay, great. Papa. Another great Hulu movie. Hulu's popping up. Okay. But John Cryer plays the, the father of the main mm-hmm. character, who's played by Griffin Gluck from American Vandal, also a great show. Um, and he, I thought he was super good in it. Like one of my favorite performances I've seen this year. Not that there's much competition. <laughs> but, well, yeah. against Sonic, yeah. I mean, speak for yourself. Against Trolls, I mean, tour. Come on. <laughs> Jim Carrey is back, guys. Come on. <laughs> um, yeah, five out of ten. What would you guys give it? Obviously, you Paloma's ten. <laughs> no, I give it a nine, honestly. Really? Yeah. Okay. Uh, I think I'd say seven. Mm-hmm. That's good. I don't know. I don't know if on most. I feel like everybody has a different scale mm-hmm. of like what number is. Like the cutoff for good, seven is good. Seven like, yeah. is good for me too. Yeah. Yeah, I think anything above a five is good for me. Yeah, I agree. Like yeah. six is passable, seven is good, four is great, nine is almost a masterpiece, and ten, ten is, is like, like, a, like rare a rare masterpiece. I agree. Yeah. Okay. Um, now that we've got that cleared up. Okay, that was pretty in pink, ladies and gentlemen. If you haven't seen it, why did you listen to that? We just spoiled the movie. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Go watch these movies. Um, now we're going to segue into my pick, which is uh, Punch Drunk Love from Paul Thomas Anderson, starring PTA, PTA a P.T. Barnum joint, and <laughs> um, starring Adam Sandler uh, as, uh, yeah, not Adam Sandler from Just Go With It or Pixels or Fifty First Dates, even though I love Fifty First Dates. Or The Wedding Singer. I still haven't seen that, but I'm sure it's wonderful. I've only seen the second half of The Wedding Singer. What? What? weird. That's a bad way to watch it. <laughs> yes. <laughs> watch the ending. So Punch Drunk Love is from 2002 from uh, P.T. Barnum and uh, stars uh, Adam Sandler. And it's basically... Did you say P.T. Barnum? Barnum? Like the British yeah. guy? <laughs> yeah. Oh. We're going to confuse some people. Yeah, man. sorry. Paul Thomas Anderson <laughs> is the actual... Hugh Jackman director. directed this? Hugh Jackman, the greatest... Piece of crap movie I've ever seen. But, um, yeah, sorry. Um, Punch Drug Love is stars uh, Adam Sandler as uh, Barry Egan, who is basically uh, 
a salesman of like toilet parts, toilet um, <laughs> novelty, novelty toilets. toilets and stuff. And he's a very Plungers. insecure, very uh, nervous and anxious man who has so much crap from his sisters uh, and is nervous at work and meets this woman named uh, Lena. And basically, it's kind of him falling in love with her. It's basically a classic romantic comedy story, uh, but with real characters. Weird, weird, but real characters um, presented in almost a classic Hollywood sort of way. But he's also um, dealing with this sex phone line that he called and is in trouble with. And it's a very weird movie. And it's awesome, and I love it. Um, the first time I saw it, it was on Netflix. I didn't know what to expect. At that point, I hated Adam Sandler. Um, and then I watched it, and I was like, Adam, I have a new respect for you. I don't know. It was just... <laughs> yeah. Uh, he pulls through when he's not producing the movie. Yeah. <laughs> like, even now, like, the movies that he's make, like, the produced ones, I don't hate. Because it's like, I can tell that... Because, I mean, known. in that... That he's having fun. He's having fun, but it's like, it's a business, you know? You got to sure. know when to make money, but know when to do the art that you love. And it's clear that he's someone that loves that that medium and loves to be a dramatic actor when he can, because he's good. Mm. Yeah. Whether it be this or yeah. Funny People or Uncut Gems, which recently came out. but The Meyerowitz stories. Or Meyerowitz stories, yeah. exactly. Stuff like one. that. Um, but yeah, I watched it and I was, I was so blown away and like, what the heck, this is weird, but it's funny and it's cute and it's like a classic Hollywood movie, but it's a romantic comedy, but it has a phone sex line thing and it has violence and it's like, what is this? And it's unique and it's a, it's not my personal favorite Paul Thomas Anderson film. Um, that would probably be like The Master or Phantom Thread. Okay. Um, but or there will be blood, of course. But um, so good. yeah, milkshake. I was yeah milkshake. But yeah, I was I was blown away by this <gasps> for many reasons. But yeah, what did you guys think of Punch Drunk Love? Watching the like the first couple of minutes, I was like, "What is going on?" Yeah. And I was like, "This is the most Seb movie." <laughs> yeah. Right. Right. <laughs> right. Because of how weird it is. <laughs> yes. I, I understand this completely. First, the lighthouse. Now, this is a dark, <laughs> oh, <kind of> weird. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the lighthouse was good. I mean, this is good too. But just watch. It was so funny, like, watching each other's movies. I'm like, it's so funny because, like, obviously we picked them, but it's like. Mm-hmm. It's so They're like clearly of taste. each taste, yeah. right? Yeah, it's clearly like of each yeah, taste, which is it's great. It's so funny. Yeah, I loved it. Um, I think. You can't not point out, like, the camera work and the use oh, yeah. of color in this movie. Like, it's just, you can't not talk about it. It's beautiful. It's, it's in your face, but it's not, like, obsessively in your face to where it's, mm-hmm. like, it doesn't work. Mm-hmm. Um, like, even from the first shot of him at the desk just sets the tone for everything. Mm-hmm. Um, just the fact that everything's blue. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. And him, like, in the far corner alone, like, you can yeah. tell that. Isolated, a, like... Isolated character, yeah. Yeah. 
I think that's probably like my favorite part about the whole movie is that visually it tells you like what's going on mm-hmm. um, with the story. Um, it, yeah, I think especially with their wardrobe and how his tie changes. Yeah. It's like subtle changes. That iconic blue suit that yeah. he wears the whole movie. Yeah, even he never takes wardrobe. off that suit. It's great. Yeah, even with her wardrobe, it changes from... It's the same outfit, just a different shade of, like, pink or purple. Um, and how it, like, sud- how they suddenly, like, change their wardrobe when there's changes in the character. Um, I think I really appreciate that um, visual storytelling of the movie. Yeah. Um, Barry, uh, the character portrayed by the Sandman, um, definitely seems like he is somewhere on the spectrum. Uh, maybe it's not addressed in the movie other than his sisters, uh, calling him a freak, which is mean and awful. And you should never say that, especially to somebody who's on the spectrum. But Mm -hmm. he, Adam Sandler does a really good job portraying that. Um, yeah, he does. And I think it takes time to get used to his performance uh, mm-hmm. before you kind of start to realize, like, that this guy, you know, um, kind of has a brain that works differently than most people, and you start to you start to understand him. He yeah. he has trouble communicating his feelings uh, majorly. Yeah, he he can't communicate when he's uncomfortable, um, and instead sometimes he takes that out uh, in fits of anger. Uh, yeah, he becomes rage. obsessed with that blue suit and he wears it multiple days in a row. Uh, he he will get so focused on something that, and this is a detail that I really love they included, that he'll be talking on the phone and then he'll hang up the phone and leave the house and he'll go to work and he'll still have the phone in his hand. <laughs> yeah. yeah. He does that like twice throughout the movie. Like He becomes very, very focused on specific things. Mm-hmm. Um, Adam Sandler really brings a humanity to this character that in the hands of another actor could have been not only um, kind of maybe insensitive, but like really difficult to sympathize with mm-hmm. and understand. Yeah. And of all people, Adam Sandler <laughs> makes him it's, so yeah. human. And it's not just a great performance for Adam Sandler. It's just, it's a great performance period. Yeah. True. Honestly. And a, a huge part of that, it has to be accredited to Paul Thomas Anderson, both as a writer and a director. Yeah. Oh yeah, definitely. Yeah. I, I feel like, this movie takes the characters that Adam Sandler plays in his comedies and puts them in real life. You know what I mean? Like this is yeah. this deranged, weird man <laughs> who wouldn't pass by as a regular cool person in real life. Just someone that has issues and is weird. And you immediately, I don't know, for me, like I really sympathize, sympathize with his character. Like I think what really like hit it home for me was the scene when he's talking to the dentist and he just says it's like sometimes i just cry for no reason yeah and he started to cry and from then on i was like that was hard to watch i was like oh you that's it you brought it home like i'm in the movie from then on um gosh i mean there's just so many things that little details not just in the script but again like even with the music like yeah, like, I feel like the music really allows you to get into the head of Barry. Yes. Just how anxious and nervous how anxious he is. I felt watching this movie. The amount of times that, like, the music built anxiety in me. There's a this bunch movie. of, like, sounds, wasn't yes, it? Yes, just, like, little, like, the, sc- the different instruments the used. 
The score is like, probably was... my favorite aspect of this movie yeah. and one of my all-time favorite scores. It's it's a great score. Crazy good. Yeah. It's both like bombastic um, and weird, but then it gets like whimsical and romantic. Mm-hmm. It's a great mm-hmm. score. It switches between those two really frequently, frequently yeah. and kind of abruptly, but like not in a sort of tonally confused way. Yeah. Totally. Because yeah. it always matches how Barry's feeling. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. Uh, which is something we talked about last episode, I think, with uh, uh, one of the Damien Chazelle, uh, or maybe all of the Damien Chazelle movies. First Man? The, yeah, the first one man. who wasn't in the episode <laughs> remembered. Oh, I love it. First I man. finished listening yeah. to it yesterday, that's why. <laughs> Nice. Much appreciated. <laughs> the only one. That yeah, we're did. talking about first man and how the score has to, you know, really reflect yeah, the the character's the inner, feelings. Uh, yeah, mood. yeah. No, yeah. It really like. I just love that it takes. The classic romantic comedy structure, and this, old Hollywood presentation, and tells the story of basically, a man with issues seeking love and seeking acceptance and basically finding strength when all these people would just put him down yeah. it breaks my heart seeing his sisters just constantly so putting him, him down yeah. and being so cruel i felt so so remember bad remember when you threw that hammer remember when you threw that hammer remember, remember when we you called you gay boy <laughs> yeah when we called you gay boy oh, why are you wearing that suit that- Oh, that, that killed me. I was like me clenching off. my fists when they started calling him K-Boy. I was like, no. <laughs> I, it's just like, it, those are honest feelings of like people, like even if they're not constantly trying to get to you, you still feel like people are like, like that's none of your business. And then you kind of internalize it. And the way that he would like react, he'd be like, oh, uh, I don't know. Uh, I don't know why I'm doing this. Uh, like, it's just like a total natural way, or at least personally of how I would, I've reacted myself. It just it feels it feels so authentic and honest, and especially that great scene when he's on the phone trying to contact his sister to get her number, mm-hmm. and he just yeah. screams at her. Such a satisfying scene. I know. I love that. Like no one around him is like staring yeah. at him. <laughs> yeah, he's just basically just like, but it's Going not just out. like a funny scene to be funny. It like so much. You can built tell it's so anger. much huge character built up anger and yeah. so much crap from mm-hmm. all these years just yeah. being released. He's like, I "You want it's... me to, ki- like, I'll kill you. You want that? You like, you want that?" <laughs> like, he starts screaming at her. It's hilarious. Yeah. I love it. I think it's interesting to note that like all the sisters, the way they talked was the same. Like, yeah, that they didn't talk like normal people. That they were just like, "Why are you doing that? Like, wh- wh- are you gonna come to dinner? Like." Are you going to come? Just the way that they all spoke the same. So naggy. Yeah. I think it's a good... It makes them feel like this oppressive, yeah. homogenous Greek chorus in his head. shows the way that Barry views them. Like, For all sure. the same way. I think that's cool detail to, like, point out. Yeah, it was it was really wonderful. And I also, a little random detail, the, the love interest isn't, like, a model. She's just a cute, pretty girl who likes him. And it's great, you know what I mean? Like, and it's so pure. Like, I love the scene when he le- There's a great moment when he leaves her apartment. He's like, okay, I gotta go. Bye-bye now. And he's walking out the hallway and he's like cursing himself out. He's like, bye-bye now, you motherfucker. Like, why did you say that? And then he get- she calls him and says, I wanted to kiss you then. 
And so you just see he him like try, <laughs> running, back, running up. back up, trying to oh, figure cute. his way. The music's building up. It's all romantic and whimsical. You're just rooting for him. Mm-hmm. And then they finally he kiss. Goes. It's all classic Hollywood with the push in, the music building up. And it's, it's great. And it's so satisfying. Um, I want to know if you guys know the theory that this movie is secretly a Superman origin story. Uh, wait, 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 wait. What? Yeah. Um, a Superman... That's Clark Kent. Is yeah. Adam Sandler. Yeah. Um, think about it. A suit. Red, white, and blue. Um, okay. The uh, sisters... Does he wear a red tie? Yeah. Sometimes. Oh, um, okay. I don't know much about Superman, honestly. As more oh, crap. Superman well, okay, doesn't even wear fine. red, white, and blue. He wears blue, red, and yellow. Well, he wears blue. Tell, tell him. Whatever. <laughs> I yeah, I'm mad Take at this theory. This is dumb. <laughs> Listen to me. The um the what is it? I have it here in my notes. The uh harmonium is like the fortress of solitude where he goes basically to kind of like what is it? Um jeez. He kind of goes for comfort to that little harmonium. Uh the sisters all have like shades of green for like kryptonite. Um, he gets free, free frequent flyer miles to fly around with the pudding. Um, and uh, <laughs> it's a bit he of has. A stretch. I mean, he's on a plane. Uh, yeah. <laughs> he's. Uh, he has super strength, like in the beginning when he breaks the the bathroom thing, and at the end when he's beating up the the guys, um, for crashing into the which is a great another great scene. I love that scene, and at the end. When Barry is kind of playing, playing the literally, literally the final shot of the movie, the harmonium, and she kind of leans over him. She's dressed in red, and he's wearing his iconic blue, blue suit, and it's almost like she's his cape. And as and she says, uh, "Here we go!" Like if they're gonna fly, and leave together, and um, <clears throat> just is like Superman little things like that. PTA's favorite superhero. Like I don't. No. I just Googled that because I wanted to see if, if PTA had said anything about yeah. that. And apparently it looks like maybe the the theory comes from Netflix. Like the Netflix Twitter tweeted that. It tweeted it because it's it's like a famous thing. Oh, okay. Oh yeah, it was it was What does it, it say in the thread? Originated by a Reddit guy named Ryan Desmond. I can't find any Reddit. quotes for like from PTA himself. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Well that's why it's a theory. It's not like a sure. confirmed yeah. thing. I mean, okay. It's interesting. That's a bit cool. of a stretch. I don't a think so. With the whole, I really don't right. think fly, so. Frequent flyer. Like, like it's a, it's cool. It's, it's an interesting thing for someone to come up with. Like, I like the create, like the not create, the creativity, yeah. I like the connections there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And maybe PTA was like, I, I like the Superman motif. What if I did an interesting spin on that? Mm-hmm. But like, also, that's just pretty. I don't mean basic in a bad way, mm-hmm. because it's not basic like it's like it's unoriginal. But like that's pretty basic character development, in you the sense don't... that it's almost like that's just the hero's journey. That's the Honestly, structure that that's story t- that's most character studies use. Yeah. yeah, Superman is just this one huge weird character study of comic books that has been released over like eighty years. Yeah, like I guess it just feels like. I don't know. You could probably. I feel like you could point at any character study and go, "Well, it's Superman," or "Well, it's Batman." 
Well, Superman you know what I mean? makes him different, and I think they even pointed out in Kill Bill, is the fact that he doesn't have a secret identity. He is Superman. He does. His secret identity is Clark Kent. Oh, right, You know right, what right. I mean? And Superman that's what is makes his, him... is his original. Yeah. Clark Kent is the fake. Whereas, like, okay. Spider-Man, Batman, their secret identity... Is Batman. Like, their, their alter ego is Batman, Spider-Man, whereas the real person mm-hmm. is Peter Parker. For them, for Superman, he needs to blend in into society and kind of become... He's an outsider. He's an outsider, just like Barry Egan. And again, the girls, the sisters wearing green, like Kryptonite, forges a solitude with the harmonium. Okay, okay, um, okay. His super strength. I'm, again, I'm not saying like it's supposed to be exactly an origin sure. story. I'm just saying it's just like you can tell it takes it. Borrow, it's like very subtle and it borrows hints of the actual origin or what Superman is as a character. Yeah. I get okay. I kind of get it now. Maybe maybe Paul Thomas Anderson that was a maybe little he intentional. Was he was something. like, "What if I?" He was onto something. Yeah. <laughs> maybe, maybe Paul, Paul Thomas, Thomas Anderson, Anderson was like, "What if I use some Superman doing, iconography?" <laughs> maybe. <laughs> it's almost like Paul Thomas Anderson is a pretty good director. He's right. who like is pretty intentional about the way he directs his movies. <laughs> He's right. I don't know. That's just a crazy Reddit. Just view. an idea. <laughs> just sometimes I say crazy things. <laughs> no, yeah, I just wanted to. <laughs> put that out there i don't know if you guys knew about that no i, I had I no idea about that uh, i find it really interesting um no but um back uh, just like a great little moment when he's on the phone with her two great moments obviously like he's in hawaii trying to get her and then a man answers the phone and you're like oh, yeah no. and then he kind of calls the hotel again he's like oh excuse me i a called in for, in the room. for <laughs> a man's not supposed to be in the room yeah <laughs> And then when she says hello, the light turns on in the phone booth. Yeah, great. I love it's that. like it's I great. That. Uh, that was that was a well timed, yeah. cute moment. I like that. Yeah, super yeah. cute. And just, and I mean, like, I've there's like also, just again, it really puts you in like the perspective and the head of the character in that he hates. He's always constantly judged by his sisters and being put down and. And the with the one time he finally decides to be vulnerable and trust somebody, like with the doctor, they he it's, he's shut down. He tells his sister, and his sister goes up to him, "Hey, uh, you know, my husband was telling me that you were crying, you have crying problems, and that yeah." And it's like he kind of I his hate trust. that. I absolutely and like out loud at his work too. Really, I hate that. And so I really was like... And in front of totally, the girl that he likes, yeah. too. That too, in front of, yeah. Um, the British like, girl. No, so every bad. time you see him, he's just like, hey, I'm sorry, I'm not like this. I, prom- I promise. It's, it's, yeah. uh, and then he goes, my sister's a liar. Yeah. She's a liar. <laughs> my sister's a liar. My sister's yeah. a liar. The amount of times this movie broke the 180 line. I didn't mean? notice that. What do you mean? Interesting. Um, Like... The scene with, where he's on the phone with Georgia and, like, talking back and forth with his sister and in his office, the camera, like, crosses the 180 line so many times. Mm-hmm. And That's even, right. And even at the end, um, is it the end? I think when he kisses her, no, when he goes to kiss her, when she calls him after she calls him saying like i really wanted to kiss you it crosses the 180 line then because he comes down and we see it from one perspective yeah and then as they're kissing we see it from her sp- perspective on the other side of the 180 line 
I just that's a really it. interesting intentional yeah break I want to know role. like what the reason why why they chose to do that that's super interesting the one time I did notice it was when it's zooming in really fast on um on Philip Seymour Hoffman, who oh. we haven't mentioned yet, but oh. he's great in this movie. Oh, he's always, amazing like, in this movie. In. Yeah. Even though he has a super tiny role, yeah. he's great. It's zooming in so on him funny. really fast and intensely as he's standing in the big open window of uh, the storefront, and then it, it's like straight on, and then it cuts all the way around to his back, and then it zooms out the it other way, out, yeah. almost like it just passed through him. Mm-hmm. And that goes all the way around the 180 line, but... I do feel like it works because that shot really stood out to me. Like it made it, it made, it felt like an oppressive, intense shot. Mm-hmm. And it's perfect because that's right that's when he's like screaming on the phone, yeah. being great, insane. Great. It makes him feel scary. You that's just tell it. me to go F myself. <laughs> did you do shot, 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 yeah. shot, up. Love, shot, 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 shot. Like that guy even I saw has that like issues too. On, yeah. on Twitter, uh-huh. like the day before I watched the movie, and I was like, what Philip Seymour Hoffman movie is this? This is hilarious. And then I was watching the movie the next day and I was like, Yes. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Philip Seymour Hoffman is probably my favorite actor next to Daniel Day Lewis. Yeah. Rest in peace. Um great, great little weird performance. Like Paul Thomas Anderson is known for like having weird characters in his movies. Great characters, I love them. Um I I also love the scene when uh he's at the date with, with uh, Lena and she mentions how the story of when he threw the hammer across the, the what is it, the glass or whatever. And then he's like, excuse me for a minute. And then he goes and wrecks the bathroom because that's his only yeah. way of like yeah, releasing that out. inner anger. And, and then he gets the kicked out. kind of does the lighthouse thing. Oh, where it's, it where kinda, it it's like, overblown, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The mics are like overblown intentionally yeah. to make that seem like really intense, intense and oppressive. <laughs> yeah. And like destroys your ears and your heart. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, great scene. Then, I don't like this place. Can we leave? Yeah. <laughs> like, instead, like of, instead of being like, I destroyed the bathroom. <laughs> yeah, I love it. And and he's always like, yeah. I, I also, I one thing I noticed about this time is that immediately it's not like he's completely open about himself or letting her know everything and trusting her really. It's kind of like a development of trust. Mm-hmm. And it's not until at the end of the movie that he tells her everything. what he did. Yeah. He's like, ah, I'm sorry, I called the phone sex line, uh, but before I met you, of course, and um, yeah. uh, I, I just wanted to make sure that they didn't hurt you, and I'm sorry, I shouldn't have the hospital. You know what I mean? Like, it's not like he mentioned that. Like throughout the movie, he was kind of like, eh, I'll, I'll, I yeah. can tell you about this later, or I can. Uh, uh, that's not really something I want to talk about. Yeah. It's later, as he's kind of realizing that she does love him, and that yeah. she cares yeah. for him. That he's like, he's really willing to open up. Because like I said earlier, when he was vulnerable to the doctor, completely shut down. And it's just like, yeah, I, great character, great character study, great performance. Great movie. I, I adore it. Yeah. Uh, you were talking earlier about how authentic it is and how authentic uh, Adam Sandler's performance is. And just as a character, like how you know real and uh, palpable he is. And I... I love that the character development in this movie feels natural and authentic and it's not like suddenly he's perfect. Yeah. Um, it's a great character arc. Like it re- he really does take big steps. But basically I think his arc breaks down to in the beginning he cannot express how he feels. 
which means he can't stand up for himself. And in the end, he learns how to. But it's not perfect, because that's not real. Uh, especially for a character like this, who struggles with that kind of anxiety that he struggles with. Like, he by the end, you know, he, he overcomes uh, sort of that anxiety and learns to stand up for himself and express his emotions, but he still does it in a regular yeah. and kind of um, irresponsible way. Like, he buys yeah. a plane ticket to Utah to walk in this guy's store and say, I hate you, and then walk out. That's that. Like, that's, that shouldn't feel like a success because you're like, who does that? That's mm-hmm. not smart. But it's perfect because that's, he, he takes it to the extreme. Like, he goes that far to just express his emotions for once in his life, you know, mm-hmm. to express that made me feel bad, you know? Yeah. Um, and I love the way he takes down Philip Seymour Hoffman, who's, like, so scary throughout the rest of the movie. Be- when he's just on the phone yeah. and then when they actually meet you know he's weak yeah he's like nothing he's getting a haircut and uh mm-hmm. and he basically he just down, wimps he's, out he's wimpy. but yeah. he, he's still like, like a punk real. that wants the last word though he's just like <laughs> all right now get the yeah. f out of here pervert and he's like what did I, what did i tell you yeah that's and that, then he goes that's, that. that's, that's that. it that's that's it you know what i mean like they're People like that exist. <laughs> it's so Absolutely. great. Absolutely. Everyone just, they knows need like the that. last word, but they're still wimps. It's great. So T- great. Totally great. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah. Absolutely. Let me see if, if I have anything in my notes. Yeah, you were saying earlier about the, the cinematography. Great uses of, like, anamorphic lenses. Again, it looks like a classic Hollywood movie with, like, the way the camera moves. Uh, their costumes also, are so distinct. Yeah. I think... Paul Thomas Anderson's camera work really does a good job of balancing, like, having a style to it. Like, being, um, mm. not show-offy, but, you know, being stylistic and having that kind of golden age look to it. But also being kind of authentic and gritty. And, and it intimate. works for the movie. You know what I mean? It's not just like, look at me, I'm a filmmaker. It's like, it works for the film. It's crazy, though, like, before, the first few movies he's made were kind of show-offy. Not in a bad way, I mean. But, like, when you watch them... The camera angles are all fast. There's a lot of dollies and all that. And then the movies after, like, there will be blood. And then from then on are, like, very static and very, very almost yeah. Kubricky, And mm-hmm. to the point where, like, obviously there's still style. You can tell it's from Paul Thomas Anderson. But if you watch, like, something like Phantom Thread, where, like, the camera angles are so, like, like I said, static but purposeful yeah, and not, like, show-offy. Almost reserved in a way. Um, it's cool to see kind of him grow through the films that he's made. Like the first movie, I'm sure it's very out there, show-offy movie. The dialogue is all like snappy or whatever. And then later you kind of see him slowly becoming the person or the filmmaker or the artist that he's supposed to be, which is... And yeah, Paul Punch Drunk Love is like one of the last movies that he made, which is like totally in that style of like show-offy, I guess. Not in a bad way, of course, like we were mentioning, but... Right. More just stylized and stylized. kind of uh, uh, dynamic. Dynamic, yeah, for sure. Uh, do we have anything else to say about the movie? Uh, I have a weirdly specific question. Yeah. Which is, do you have a favorite shot? Like a one favorite shot in the movie? Oh, my God. Um, I know that's hard. <laughs> yeah, because there's like that great silhouette shot mm-hmm. of them meeting... Um, I love the I love the last shot of the movie where she's kind of That's leaning over too. him. Um, 
the shot of them kissing in um the shot of them kissing at the apartment um yeah bunch of rich i probably the final shot probably me too yeah because i feel like yeah it's great <laughs> a, a great little romance like she's the one that gives him the strength to become a better person and to have confidence in himself and and uh it's and it's so weird like the pudding him like buying a bunch of pudding for free yeah. uh that's based on a true thing mile. yeah which is yeah that was yeah, an actual is. promotion that happened and somebody like scammed it and got a bunch of money out of it for mm-hmm. like free frequent fire miles but i also love how revealing that is that is of his character that yeah. he's like a lonely guy who doesn't really travel but he his head is so hyper focused and kind of um impersonal yeah that he notices this thing and then goes oh i can like get all these flyer miles but like mm-hmm. he doesn't need them like he has no purpose for them and when he is focused on something he goes all in mm-hmm. like, yeah exactly exactly he yeah. commits like so hard cuz he doesn't really yeah. know how to express himself otherwise yeah. Yeah. Great movie. Um, Ratings? Uh, 10 out of 10, obviously. Adore this movie. It's like my fifth time watching it. I, can, I can't wait to see it again. Yeah, I'd say a 10. Really? Yeah. It makes me very happy. <laughs> I think cool. I go 9. Nice. Nice. Uh, why do you hate cool, cool, cool. the movie, Colby? Yeah, well, you know what? It was really just to get back at you for the Pretty in Pink thing, to be honest. Are you, you mad mean. that? Thanks, are you just mad oh, that welcome, Adam Sandler Colby. didn't fart in the movie? Yeah, that was why. That was why. I was like, <laughs> "There's not a scene in this movie where Adam Sandler jumps off a cliff into a water, followed by David Spade, and then lastly followed by Kevin James, whose butt lands directly on David Spade's head, oh, and then David Spade screams, I was inside you.' And if <laughs> that doesn't happen, it's just not, um, it's not a good Adam not, Sandler not, movie. This is not a good movie. And in if general. if you can tell me if the view audience can tell me uh, which Adam Sandler movie that is in the comments, I will give them a virtual hug. Leave a comment. Leave a review. Not a real hug because Corona. I, I will. Sh- I will shoot you if you. <laughs> okay. So the <laughs> price for commenting this is you get a hug from me, but also Seb assassinates you. Cyberbully. <laughs> so little trade off, but that's your guys's call. Adam Sandler actually <laughs> does jump in this movie, doesn't he? When he's running from the goons and he like. Makes this yeah when he jumps this over almost the fence, a like into the street for Superman no reason. Leap. Superman. Oh. oh, oh, he does that actually. He does you reach his hand oh. over he like this. He totally does a Superman pose Stretch. there. So I'm kind of a little bit more and more on board with this theory. Aha, aha. <laughs> he so does that Superman like, hey, leap. Um, <laughs> yeah, great movie. Uh, you guys got to watch it if you haven't seen it already. We spoiled it, but still watch it. Yeah, sorry. Why are you listening? Literally came out, 10 out of 10 what? recommend. Did like you guys watch it? Ago? Did you guys watch it uh, on like Hulu or something? What, where did you guys see it? I rented it. I rented, I rented it? it. I don't think it's on Hulu. Okay. No. It's the one thing they don't have. I okay. know. It, <laughs> we still love it. It's on Criterion, so you guys should definitely buy it on Criterion. Yeah. And it has a really awesome Criterion cover, which is the last shot. The last of the shot of the movie, yeah. Yeah, I love it. Okay. Kobe, uh, shall we talk about... Yeah, so uh, what have you guys been watching recently? You got any uh, recommendations to throw out before we wrap it up? Speak, Paloma, speak. Um, As we mentioned earlier, Rami. I finished season two of Rami, and oh my gosh. Like, I thought I couldn't love that show anymore. But, wow, the writing, the character, 
I love it all. <laughs> um, the way that it's so raw and honest and relatable. I just love all of it. <laughs> um, I can't wait for season three. They just got renewed for season three. Nice. I don't awesome. know when it'll come out at this point. Probably not but, for a while because production's shut down, yeah, but hopefully soon. For sure, yeah. I mean, I don't care if it's going to take forever. Like, I'm just going to be happy to see it. So I definitely recommend watching Rami on Hulu. It is by A24, so... A24! I realize that. That makes sense, though. Yeah. Is it the only show they've done, or have they done other TV shows? They they do Euphoria. Oh, oh Euphoria looks awesome. Euphoria, I forgot about that. Yeah, I still need um, to watch that. I was so happy to see that in Rami Season 2, they brought in Mahershala Ali. Yes. Um, and also... Jared Abrahamson, who That's I think a is a super underrated actor. Uh, he hasn't been in a lot of stuff, but I like that guy a lot. Great mm-hmm. actor. Uh, yeah, what about you, Seb? Uh, I've been watching Succession on HBO. I don't know if you guys have heard of that show. Awesome show. I love it. Um, it's not It's not Rami. <laughs> in the sense that it, uh, Rami seems more like for everybody. Like a lot of people would love it. Um, general audience... Succession is like very much like the big short where it's like it's political, but it's like almost Aaron Sorkin-y, very snappy and uh, very modern. It's about um, basically this media company and this family that runs it and this man who's 80 and he still wants to run the company, very selfish and a bunch of and his kids are kind of wanting to take over and it's a. Uh, and it's it's a great show. It's very well written. Um, I like the way it's shot for the most part. Uh, and the score by Nicholas Bertel, incredible. All right, you guys know who Nicholas Bertel is, right? Uh, what are his uh, other scores? Uh, Moonlight, <laughs> If Beale Street Could Talk. And, That's uh, where oh I know that name. God. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Great scores. Great yeah. score. Beale Street, just if in general. If Beale Street Could Talk. Please watch Beale Street. I'm so to this day. Yes, it's a good. It's on Hulu. Is it on Hulu? <laughs> it is on Hulu. Okay, <laughs> I think it. so. Last We're, time I checked, Hulu does not sponsor this show. But if you <laughs> but listen, they, should, they can Mr. if they Hulu, want to. Please sponsor Hulu, us. I love listening. you so much. Please <laughs> sponsor Amateur Cast, please. Um, please. I'm still to this day so mad that if Beale Street could talk, like no one saw it and it didn't get. It's. So I think good. it should have won Best Picture. Let alone be like, nominated. Cinematography was really good. Nice. The score was beautiful. I haven't seen. If you're listening to this yet, so. and you haven't seen Beale Street, including you, Seb, I'm sorry. Um, go watch, <laughs> watch it. Go watch it. This as soon, not this instant, but as soon as this podcast is over, because we want you to stay to the end so we can get a view. For sure. Um, yeah. yeah. And um, I finally watched Silver Linings Playbook. Nice. It's it's good. I think. I liked it. Is that the one with Jennifer Lawrence? Yeah, Jennifer mm-hmm. Lawrence and Bradley Cooper. I always see it on Netflix. I'm she like, won an I'll Oscar for that, day. right? She did, yeah. Uh, yeah. It's pretty good. I don't like David O. Russell a lot. Um, I don't like the way Is it he... the director? Yeah, the director. Um, okay. I think I saw... Did he also do Joy? Yeah, which I... I liked, I liked Joy. I thought that was... Okay. <laughs> <Sorry>. <laughs> <laughs> I did not care for Joy. Um, but... No, it's Seb good. Talking about Pretty in Pink. Sucked. <laughs> anyway, it sucks. <laughs> no, Pretty in Pink was was fun. Seb's aggro today. Um, <laughs> yeah, I I've just been mainly watching Succession, but yeah. What about you, Kobe? Um. So keeping on the trend of 
shows that we've been binge watching. I just yesterday finished uh, the second, uh, which is currently the last season, but there's going to be a third one of uh, Dairy Girls, which is an Irish show. It's on Netflix. It sounds weird. I was like not totally down for it, but I watched the first episode with my girlfriend because she liked it, and mm. then I got hooked on it. It was. It's so. <laughs> Honestly, it's one of the funniest shows I've seen in a long time. Really? And the editing, and specifically the music editing in it, is some of the best I've ever seen on TV. Okay. It's, like, the way they use music, not, I mean, on one level, on just a surface level, just for style, to make the show kind of memorable and dynamic, but also, like, mm -hmm. just to, like, elevate the comedy. Like, the comedic timing of the editing is so good. Mm -hmm. um, it's basically just about this Catholic all-girls school with one male student in very, very Catholic Ireland um, during the 90s, which is when uh, the Catholics and Protestants were having sort of a major conflict that resulted in sort of an Irish civil war. I'm not at all educated on Irish history. That could be off. But there was conflict between Catholics and Protestants, and there Some was bombs Irish persons listening. Um, How dare you yeah, get that it's... history wrong, you damn <laughs> nugget. You that bastard. That's not an Irish an accent. Irish accent. Anyways, keep yeah. going. Sounds <laughs> almost Arabic. But almost. <laughs> Rami? Rami, yeah. Oh, um, Yeah, it's basically oh. a very well-directed, um, like, very dynamic, stylized sitcom that takes place with the backdrop of the 90s Irish conflict. Um, I really recommend it. It's very good. Season three is currently uh, on, like, have a, has a production delay because of corona. Uh Curse you, Corona. Corona. But Corona, you come out next year, I think. Yeah. <laughs> um, also, movie-wise, this is my segue, um, I finally, finally bought the Criterion Collection and watched the whole Before Trilogy. And that, nice. ladies and gentlemen, is what we're going to be talking about next episode. Uh, there are no Heck new yeah. movies coming out for us to review, so we're just talking about a trilogy that we really love, all three of us, which is Richard Linklater's Ooh. The Before Trilogy. Uh, before Sunrise, yes. before Sunset, before Midnight, uh, starring and also co-written by Ethan Hawke and Ethan Julie Depley. Um, Delpy or Depley? You guys, Depley. one of those. We'll correct it on the next episode. Yes. Tune in. <laughs> and, um, I'm very Yeah, see this. you guys then and join us for some really cool Richard Linklater talks. Thanks for listening, everyone. Woo. Thank you, guys. I hope you're still here and listened. Thank you, Mom. Thank you, Mrs. Colby. Mrs. Colby. Mrs. <laughs> Levy. <laughs> my name is Colby Colby. It's like a Mario situation. Mar my last oh my name God. is also my first name. Mario Mario. Oh. Mm -hmm. So lame. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I'm sticking right. with that bit now. I will introduce myself on every episode as Colby Colby. As my Colby Colby. Colby. <laughs> <laughs> no, my name is Colby Colby. <laughs> uh, goodbye, everybody. Right. Thanks for listening. Bye, guys. Goodbye.